Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Let's get into our study then. So if we're talking about exalting the Father, there's one section in your book um, that I was kind of talk, talking about, I think it was in your day that's entitled Centered in Christ that, and how he exalted the Father. And he was talking about the provision that comes. And part of that provision, or a big part of that provision, uh, comes under protection. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today is the protection that comes through uh, discipleship in the Lord. Now, John 17, we'll put this up for you, Lisa. Um, is a scripture is the the chapter that we've been going through where Jesus is praying in the garden and within it he has several statements of what he has done for the disciples on how he has discipled them to prepare them for this time and in this particular week our key verse is going to be from verse 12 where Jesus is saying while I was with them I kept them in your name which you have given me I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except for the son of destruction, who, which is who? Judas, right? That the scripture might be fulfilled. So that's kind of the, the aspect of where I kind of started with our study this week, is just looking at that aspect of him guarding us and how that works. And there's a lot of different things within the, the study that we can dig into, and there's some things I want to highlight uh, with you. But what I kept coming back to was just the metaphor and the deep metaphor of Jesus as a shepherd. I, I, I have loved that because the more that I learn about shepherding, not just within our context, but more especially within the biblical times, just the more it says about how much Jesus loves you, how much Jesus moves on our behalf, and how much Jesus provides for us and protects over us. For example, if you think, okay, whether it be from your Bible study or from observations or watching Hallmark movies or whatever, when it comes to shepherding in biblical times, what benefit does the sheep get from the shepherd? I mean, why, why would they need a shepherd? Anybody? Protection. Protection? What else? Huh? Direction. Direction? Don't just think of the Christian church ones. Sheep, what do they get from? So we got protection, direction. Food. You guys are still waking up. Food? Yep. Food? Good job. Who said, who said food? Was that Shreda? Oh, that, your, your voice is so small. I heard you. I heard you. I, w- I was going through, at least we'll go to the next one, um, and just kind of grouping them just by my own thoughts, uh, as far as the shepherd leads in the pastors, which is going to be from a, a food aspect of things, and leads them to water. So we've got a very strong provision end of things. Um, we've got that he t- tends to the sick or injured sheep. So we've got a, a rejuvenation, a freedom, a healing aspect, and then he protects sheep from the wild animals and he guards sheep in the darkness. Those are the, the main ones that seem like everything else I was coming up with kind of group back into. Um, which when you look at that from Jesus' standpoint, Jesus' heart, that's quite beautiful that he leads us to our nourishment, that he does pick us up when, th- when we get wounded, or that he does protect us from, from home, or that he guards us during the dark uh, seasons that we go through in our lives. And again, the more, just even from a simple aspect, there, there's that there, but again, the more you learn, the more that it just kind of expands itself. Uh, the next picture we got there, Lisa, is a, a sheep pen 
from uh, the, the biblical times of things. And there, there's different alterations depending on if you're looking at like Googling up images. But this is a pretty typical one. I, for some reason, had never really paid any attention to what a sheep pen would look like uh, until a couple years ago uh, when I was at the Billy Graham Training Center and uh, Michael Card was teaching for a week on the life of Christ. This is the picture that he showed. And just kind of explain that, uh, of how that worked. Again, this would be for a, sm a smaller pen of sheep. You put the sheep in the middle. The wall's there for what? Protection. It's, going to keep the, it's also going to keep them organized, keep them from wandering off, uh, which there's other tools that he has for that too, which we'll talk about. Bless you. Um, and then there's a door. So at nighttime, the animals are, are going to have to take some work to be able to get to the sheep, or a thief would have to do quite a bit of work to get a sheep over his shoulders to get out of there. But then you still have got the door. And does anybody know what, what they do with the door? The shepherd lights across it. And, and so the shepherd, that's where he sleeps so that he's protecting the sheep as well. Again, just those little nuggets. So when I think about that in my own personal life, where he has built a hedge of protection around me, that as long as I'm within him, that fortress, and that he's the one that's laid down his life at the doorway for us. Uh, it's just a beautiful image. I, ju I just love these aspects to come into it. So I kind of want to start there. If you would, go, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. We're going to go to John chapter 10. Uh, again, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's Bibles in the baskets underneath the chairs around the room. And then we also have version. Uh, if you want to use your tablet or your phone, uh, if you have the app version, you can do a search for local live events and uh, see TSF for today's date and then pull it up and it'll have the scriptures and other references there. And today it definitely comes in handy because there's some scriptures I'm going to kind of roll through uh, that note takers will not be able to get in time. Uh, so you can either hit me up later or they're all in the version schedule if you want to look at those. But I, I want to spend some time in, in 10 because this is probably one of the most drawn out um, sections with Jesus talking about being a shepherd and also about him and the Father being one again, taking and having the Father in his proper place. So I'm going to start out in verse 1, uh, read a little, talk a little, and just see what the kind of guides us as we go through. Uh, he starts out by saying, truly, truly, or again, as we talked about in the life of Jesus, this is uh, amen, amen, is what Jesus is saying. Uh, amen, be so shall it be. Jesus is the only one that we have record of using amen in this way, where he says it at the beginning of something, uh, where he's saying this is the way it is. I'm just... just this, this is uh, resolute. This is solid. Amen, amen. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief or a robber. So right now we can be thinking about that, that sheep pen. What are you saying? Anybody comes over that wall, that's not the shepherd, right? But he who enters by the door is the shepherd uh, of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. So here we've got a larger example with the gatekeeper. In our case, it would be God. God is the one that has given him, um, the disciples, God is the one who gave, given us. Uh, us. Uh, the sheep hear his voice, the shepherd's voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. But we do, right? Like there's a lot of things I look back on once I had the, uh, the Holy Spirit, once they had everything incomplete, they could kind of understand this. But we understand what this is. There's several promises of what he is promising us 
when it comes to the protection of taking and being the shepherd in our lives. As you look through this, the shepherd comes in honestly. He comes in with integrity. He doesn't have to sneak in. He doesn't have to take and promise us false things that are full of glitter and gold, uh, things of the world, to kind of trick us to taking a step or two to get us into bondage and put us into some kind of trap or some kind of situation that is overwhelming that we, that we, we, we can't get ourselves out of. That's how Satan works. He doesn't do those type of things. He, just, he walks in. He's the shepherd. He has full right to come in. Uh, we have here that, and I, I love this, the sheep know his voice. They hear it and they know it. There's an intimacy here between the sheep and the shepherd. Um, and then on the other side of it, and this, this, this part is just mind-boggling, he calls them by name. By name. And I guess if I'm looking back at Jesus' time, the shepherds, a lot of times I see them walking around with like 30 to 100 sheep. I never once would consider probably, maybe, maybe I'm just a joke, maybe I'm just not an animal guy or something, but naming all of those and knowing the name of each one and calling them out by name, that seems like a lot of work. A lot of work. Now, I've got my cat at home, Maggie. We've got Emily's cat at home, Millie. We've got nobody claims the dog, Moose. Huh? Is, is Jenny in here? Is Jenny in here? Is she... She's back here, isn't she? She's behind the post. She's gone. She kicks moose all the time. All the time. Um, she's really mean to that dog. Huh? Hey, respect your, your father. Okay. <laughs> but for him to know the name, for him to call out by name, each one by name, is pretty awesome to me. That he is that intimate. He, he has no reason to have that kind of intimacy with, with, with us. We're, we're just fallen creation. But that's how much he loves us. He has that personalization to it. Hi, honey, I didn't say anything. Amanda Howard, keep your mouth shut. Amanda Howard went out and told me on me and my wife. Glenn, get control of that woman. You look at I. You look at I. Neither one of them. But so there's that, that intimacy there. And it, it comes to mind for me, like we talked last week, do you remember, um, with Job? Uh, and talking about uh, Job, Job and the poetry of Job and God going off and God saying these, these incredible things. The one that always stands out to me is, are you the one that calls out the stars each, name by, uh, each night by name? I just, that's that kind of feeling I have here. There's that intimacy that we know his voice, we hear his voice, and he calls us by names. He leads them and they follow, which we're going to talk about a little bit more, and then he protects them. He protects them. Um, Another illustration that came up this week in my studies, it doesn't really fully fit, but it's another little nugget that I think it adds uh, to how awesome all this works and how it's supposed to work. Um, I was listening to an interview with a guy uh, that's a, a theologian when it comes to, especially to the Holy Lands, Jenny and I. We've uh, gone through some of his studies, met him in Minneapolis, really neat, humble guy. But he uh, was being asked about the 99 and the 1. You know what I mean? Like the 100 sheep and 1 wonders what, and whatnot, and the chef goes up to one. And he was talking about from the Luke aspect of it, um, that in Luke's telling that the sheep was lost by the shepherd. And, he was, and, and the wording I used was for the under-shepherds, which I'm an under-shepherd, if that makes any sense. I don't have any sheep. You guys are not my sheep. You're Jesus' sheep. I'm just in charge of 
shepherding this month, but I don't own anybody. I just have to do what the shepherd tells me to do. It's that kind of thing. So he's talking about the under-shepherd lost a sheep, which are you saying to the Pharisees and Sadducees, you guys are screwing up. I thought that was kind of interesting. So as he's talking about that, and somebody would ask him, how could the shepherd leave the 99 unattended? But that's it, just that they, you would lose the other 99, and they would wander off and those type of things. And he was saying why there's some, some questions I still have within this, but I think it was an interesting point, is that because the sheep know his voice, and the sheep will only follow the shepherd, that the, the shepherd can leave to go after the one, and the other sheep will not move. They will stay gathered in that area because they will not listen to a stranger. They will not go in a direction that's not the one calling them by name. And they will wait for him until he comes back. Even the lost sheep would find a, a, like a bush to hide under for shade and never move until it's dead because it's gotten lost and it's waiting for the voice of the shepherd. Isn't that cool? And that, I mean, it just continues to add on to uh, these different aspects of things. So um, let me go into, like in my studies, he talked about four different ways that, teaches, that uh, Jesus taught the disciples. And I'll talk about how that impacts us today. Uh, but if you're a note taker, some of you guys got your notes out. Good job. Gold stars all around. Um, the first time that, the first way that he protects them, and some of this would just be kind of common sense, but it's good to kind of bring on the table, is in his teaching. His teaching is, is set to protect us. And last week, uh, we spent the, the entire study about his word and being in the word and how the word came to be and how it's structured uh, and, and why, why it, it's so valuable to us. Um, again, not going for a, hey, are you in the Bible every day, or did you do your devotion every day? But I'm hungry, and this is the only buffet in town type mentality. We're coming to the board. So I won't spend a ton of times on those, but there's different ways that he taught in his own ministry. And it's interesting because it's also how, um, depending on what seat they're in, is how he t taught them. So if we're in the fourth seat of the common sea, if it was seekers, then he's teaching them what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Come, see what's, what's going on with, with, with the invitation. Uh, taking and going back into the scriptures and showing the fulfillment of Jesus in his own, own time. There, there, there's a teaching there that he is doing. Why? Because he wants to save him from hell. He wants to save us from ourselves. He wants to save us into a relationship with him. And so that teaching was there to protect them. This is how you come into safety. And then when you come in to come and see, you start seeing a little bit more of like a, a relational teaching. A, a lot more close one-on-one. Again, one of the things I, I like is like God the Father, the Old Testament's kind of, not. this isn't theologically correct, but this is kind of the imagery is like God is here and we're down here. And then Jesus, like God was like, that's not good enough. Like he created us to be able to walk in gardens with us and stuff. So when he came in man form, now he can hug on us and he can cry with us and he can laugh with us and he can teach us. That, that's where that relational aspect comes in. The really cool part is after he goes back up, now God resides within us through the Holy Spirit because he just wants to be that intimate with us. And he's teaching them that in every step, discipling them. And then as they continue to go, the teaching gets uh, different as well. Um, well. What would it be, about a month and a half ago when we were looking at Jesus' final trip to Jerusalem uh, for the Passover and for his, his crucifixion and his resurrection, that about how his teaching changed? Do you remember us looking at that? The things he taught, the way that he acted, knowing this is the last time I'm seeing these people before my, my death had, had, had really made it a lot more, um, a, a lot more pointed 
a lot uh, that he knew that this was the final journey. The same thing happens as they get further and further into partnering with him into the world, then his teaching changes as well to get more pointed in those areas. Uh, at least this all, I'm going to put up a couple. Uh, you don't have to go to them, but you can get into it. I think the Matthew is the next one. Yeah, Matthew 5. Uh, Jesus taught them, Blessed are you when others persecute you and utter all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven, for they uh, persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so that's not something he's going to say to somebody or teach somebody in chair one. It's like, come follow me, be persecuted, and you're going to be wiped, you know, killed for your faith or whatever. It, it's, it's a growing understanding. You're partnering with me now. You're now representing me. You're now being on this mission that you created for, that you're purposed for. And you need to know it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Not too long after that, Matthew 6, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and thieves break in and steal, but lay up your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. And so, again, it's like things in the world are going to be tough. But I'm not here to invest. I'm investing here. And so you can hold on to that and know that your investments are secure. What I'm doing through you is what is secure. Uh, in Matthew 10, I don't have it up there, but you can write it down if you want to and look at it deeper. It's a, it's a longer one. Um, but Matthew 10, he's talking about that the persecution will come. But stay focused. Stay in. Again, every one of the 12 disciples, except for Judas, who took his own life, son of destruction, and John, who took and died of old age on the island of Patmos, a prison island, um, were martyred for the faith. If you like John and James and the Chosen, that's awesome. Let them, just want to let you know that when they do the Acts version of that, James is going to get killed pretty early on. He doesn't get, make it through the book of Acts, the history of the early church. They were all martyred for the faith. Persecution does come. And Jesus tells them to go to your hometown, go to your country, go to the ends of the earth, go to Samaria. They don't do that easily. It starts out with the first two of Pentecost, and they don't mention them going to Samaria until the persecution comes and Stephen is martyred. There's going to be hard times in this. So he's protecting them up front, saying that this is not a roller coaster ride that's fun, but it's a purpose, but it's a mission. And well, I'm going to be doing this with you, and I've got you. I love that about Jesus. Uh, second way that he uh, protects us is in his observations. In his observations. Jesus, if you, if you read the Bible with your educated biblical imagination, uh, there's actually some really cute relationships in there as far as I'm concerned. Because um, I think Jesus makes points through sarcastic humor. Not that I would do that. But I think Jesus did. Uh, for instance, John and James, does anybody know what Jesus called them? Sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. I am convinced from the reading of the scripture it's because they had anger issues. I'm convinced you, you, you see it throughout the scripture. And I think that Jesus' way of dealing with their anger issues, when they got upset and they'll get going and bumping heads and they're causing problems with other people, he's like, you two kill me. You're like sons of thunder. It's a thunder. It's like blah, 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 blah. I think he's making a point into the relationship without having to be, now guys, come sit down. I have to t give you a Bible lesson to correct you. I, I, I think it's just kind of a constant thing of just like guys, and they're like, we know, we know. But he observed a problem in them and then ministered into it. Or when you look at uh, Simon Peter, again, his name was Simon. It was the most common name in, in the, that region at that time. He was just common. 
And you, you know, names mean a lot, especially because of Bill. He's, he's common. And for Jesus to come along and say, I know you're Simon, but, but, you're going to be the cornerstone of my church. You're going to be Peter. If you ever looked at just how freaking insecure Peter is through the Gospels and how often he messes up in the Scripture, I think Jesus saw that insecurity and said, you need to know a little bit about your future so that you can stand on me instead of your own. You're going to deny me three times tonight. I die before that happened. That's cute. But after you're done denying me, I'm already praying for you that you will come and lead your brothers. Do you know what those words meant to Peter 14 hours later when he's crushed and he's sobbing of what he had done to the Lord? But my Lord doesn't want me to give up. My Lord's already said that he's praying for me to lead. He continued to speak into these di different challenges, these different understandings. Uh, and the third one, we'll give you this, is um, I think I just got the references. Luke 9 and Luke 22, like at the bottom, yeah. Uh, I think these are just the, the references. You can check them out a little bit more later. But as in another area where the disciples, they had some, they had some ego issues at times. Um, Luke 9, the disciples get into a fight. Any, any guess on what they get in a fight about? It's about the only thing they ever fight about in the group. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Out, out of all, who's the greatest? And they, they start bumping heads and everything, and Jesus is like, Nyeh. look at this child. Let's see if you become like a child. You're not getting the point. And so, so he, he references this in to correct them on their ego issues. You, you, you can't look at yourself. You've got you to gotta have this childlike faith and realize it's about me. It's about my father. It's not really about you. And who's the greatest? And you would think that would be like humbling. You, you think you kind of get the point. Luke 22, guess what they're fighting about? Who's the greatest? And who's at the fun of it? John and James. Not only John and James, but mom's part of that one. Um, John and James, like, hey, can they, they can sit on each side of you in heaven, and da, 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 and they get in this big fight of who's better and who's greatest. And He's like, time out. We've got to go through this again. Unless you become like a servant, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. And so we learn that when we watch each other, if we're built in a Christian community, and not get in each other's business and get up each other's face or be all judgmental with people, but see things that they struggle with, then we love on each other, even if it takes a little bit of humor through sarcasm. Third way that he taught with us, in his actions. He taught through his actions. Um, next slide I give you that I think is just the Romus Cave. Yeah, you guys remember that picture from a few weeks ago? Uh, if you weren't here, Romans Cave is a, uh, an area that is one of the areas that Jesus liked to pray, um, that he would go and then be able to look out over the sea. This is, um, we do know that when it came to the feeding of the multitude, and then he sent his disciples out to go to the other side, and he went and prayed that this is where he prayed from. Um, and then again, we, we did the what if, because it's not 100%, it doesn't tell us in the scripture, but like when they were fighting against the waves and he was praying, if, uh, again, for a moon out there, that he, he could have easily seen the concern and be praying over them before God told him to go out. Um, one of the things that set that up for him to be separated from them, according to the, to the scripture, and this is Mark chapter 6. I've, I didn't put it all up on the screen because we did it a couple weeks ago, but just so you have it, Mark chapter 6, um, was him saying to them, we need to leave and take a break. And so they left, they took a break, they went to a desolate place. They get to a desolate place, multitudes of people are there. Jesus sees them, and even though they need that rest, he has pity on them. Why? 
Anybody remember? Because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he ministers to them. They do the miraculous feeding of them. And then, according to Scripture, he immediately tells the disciples, get in the boat and get out of here. Leave. They, they, they have pushed it too, too far now. And then he goes up and prays. That, and that's his Sabbath. That's his rest. And that, that's his time as they're getting ready for whatever's next that the Lord has. So a big part of that has to do with protecting them from burnout to a certain extent. One that we haven't talked about is that there's another reason within that too. Is because this is shortly after John the Baptist is killed. This is um, the multitudes are growing and pressing in upon him. And that they are threatening to take him by force to force him to be king. And if you think about that from a realistic standpoint, like how would I play that out if I was writing a screenplay on that? A screenplay on that, um, there's people with different motives that are pressing in on him from different sides with different things, and they're forcibly going to take them and force them to be king. There's also danger around them. Immediately, he got them into the boat and had them to leave. And when you look immediately, if you want like an interesting study. Uh, whenever, is um, get like BibleGateway.com and look up how often the word immediately is used in the Gospels. Uh, it's throughout the Scripture, but through the Gospels. It's not always centered on Jesus' action, um, but quite a bit it is of just how urgent things were during the Gospel of how they come together. There's over, I think, 72 times that immediately is in the Gospels. Um, John... He didn't feel as urgent, I guess, in his writing because he only uses the word twice. Mark uses it 35 times, more than half uh, of the times it says in the gospel, of the urgency of how God and Jesus protect us, move us, and works within his, his will. So that, that's one of the things is through his actions. And then the last one I'll give you is he gives protection through his promises. Protection through his promises. We'll give you another scripture from John 17. This is the verse right before 12, our keynote. Where he's praying, he says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, and they may be one, even as we are in one. Now, in that middle section, that's kind of what I want to focus on for the, the promises. In your name, uh, again, going back to original language, original context, uh, is not just like, ah, just, just keep them according to the name of God. Uh, it literally stands for the name of the Lord. And the definition of the name of the Lord in that language uh, was this, the entirety of God's character and conduct. Okay, so when he's saying, keep them in your name, it's not like, man, I hope they stay in the church. I hope they're good Christians. It is keep them, protect them, hold on to them in the entirety of your character and your conduct. And we find the scripture littered, littered with the promises of his protection over us. This is the part where I say I'm going to go through some scriptures and note takers. If you try to write them all down, God bless you, because uh, I'm going to go kind of fast. But just to kind of get a feel for how much is there, Isaiah 54:17, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication for me declares the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I told you I'd go too fast. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am God. 
and I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. Psalms 34, uh, 7. Psalm 32, 7. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Salah. And then, of course, our main voice that we come back to every week. During this study, especially Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The Great Commission. Why I'm here. The Great Commandment. Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all the things I commanded you. In other words, disciple them, and behold, I'm with you always. I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. It's just constant, constant protection. Hey, if you're still in John 10... You should know I come back to these things real quick. Uh, let's go to verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one promises eternal life promises you will never perish promises no one can snatch you out of his hands God's hands they are one and the same promise you are his the mind the mind so why do we struggle so why do we struggle why is there fear why is there anxiety why does the, the stress continue why does the I don't know what direction I'm supposed to be going in, continue. It's because we're humans and because we're goofballs. And the secret within all of it comes from tier one to tier two. Follow me. If you decide to jump the wall of the pen, you're no longer in that protection. You're putting yourself in harm's way. If you decide not to follow, you're putting yourself in harm's way. We have to be able to follow. So, who do I want to pick on? Who do I want to pick on? Brent, I'm going to pick on you. Come on up. Please. Please. You're going to like this. You don't look, you don't look like you believe me, brother. A little bit. Okay, I'm going to get this out of the way. Okay. So, you want to play follow the leader? you got to be a leader. Wherever you want to go. Okay. You ready? I'm supposed to be. Hi, Kathy. How you been? What's new? You've been behaving really well this week. They only laugh because they remember the last guy. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Man, you walk a long time. You've done a good job back here. There's no behaving. No, no. And see, Brent is getting the point of the whole experiment. He's now dragging me because he knows he wants to be the shepherd. <laughs> okay, let's go start over. Okay. Where are we going? We got to go back up there. Start over. And just kind of, you know. That is my dog. That is your dog? 
Jenny will come over and kick it for you. Okay. Okay, juvenile elementary point. But you get, it? you get the point? Is that not how we follow Jesus? We get distracted, we go other ways or whatnot. When he says, follow me, he means follow me. Hey, bud. How's it going? I'm real good. Good. I tickle you, but, you know, I don't tickle Jesus. So. Okay. Do you see that right now I know I'm not going to crash into a single chair. That's what Brenda's very, very mean. I'm not going to get distracted. I've got my purpose, and my purpose is to follow him. Thanks, buddy. So when we do that, it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. I know it is that hard. Yes, thank you, Brent. You're a phenomenal leader. I must confess, I told him about two weeks ago so he could practice at home. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it really, really is that easy, but it's also that important. I understand it's not easy, but it's easy. I want to show you a video real quick um, as we start to wrap things up because everything we learn about a shepherd, we learn more about Jesus. About the importance of following him and the benefit of following him. And this is the gentleman I was telling you about a little bit earlier. So Lisa, would you mind playing that? As part of the shepherd lesson, I did want to look at one thing in the wilderness that will maybe surprise you a bit. Believe it or not, this is called wilderness, midbar, but it's also called green pastures. Now, when you take a Westerner here the first time and you look at this, you find people say, well, I don't know that I can go there because the Psalm 23, the Lord leads me into green pastures has been pictured as belly deep alfalfa. Well, you haven't seen any belly deep alfalfa. And from biblical time to today, it's rare to see a flock in the farm country. There isn't a lot of farm country in this culture. And so farmers kept the shepherds out as much as they could. Maybe they would come in a little bit after the harvest to glean what was left, but you don't want sheep where you can farm. This is the land of the shepherd. Right on the hillside across from us, you can see those grazing trails cut there by sheep maybe as long ago as Abraham's time. They're spaced so that an animal on one path and an animal on another can reach right to the middle between them. That determines the distance, so you can graze an entire hillside. And the shepherds lead their sheep across that hillside slowly, grazing what's there. Now, you look at it from here and you say, what's there? In fact, I remember my first impression. I woke up one morning, I was sleeping out in the wilderness, and I remember waking up, watching a flock of sheep on a hillside like this, and my, re my feeling was, what are those rock-eating sheep? I mean, what do they eat? How can you call this green pastures? Well, the answer is, there's a small amount of moisture present here. They get a little bit of rain every year, not much, but a little. Second, there is humidity in the air, especially in the evening breeze, like right now, you can feel it. Coming from the west off the Mediterranean, there's moisture in the air. That moisture, combination of the rain and the humidity, condenses or drips along the edge of these rocks here. And if you notice, right around the rocks, almost always next to the rocks, you get little tufts of green. Get one a moment. That's what we refer to as the green pastures. 
So the shepherd looks for a hillside. That's exactly what she was doing. Look at that flock across from us there. Just stunning. Those two shepherd girls have found a hillside that either was exposed to the wind or had that small amount of rain. And they move that flock across the hillside, and it's one mouthful here, walk a step or two, another mouthful, another mouthful, another mouthful. Now that changes the green pasture image a little bit, besides the picture changing radically. Green pastures are not everything you need for the rest of your life. If you make that belly deep alfalfa, then what God is saying, if you follow me, I'm going to plunk you down and you'll never have to move an inch the rest of your life. Just reach out and grab it. Tell me that your life with God has been like that. Worry, said one rabbi, is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. In the desert, you learn, the shepherd will get you what you need for right now. Ten minutes from now, you trust the shepherd. Just enough. So the example is this, so the point is this. Not only are we following him step by step for each mouthful, we need to be teaching those who are not where we're at in our walk how to do the same. That through pointing them to the scripture, through taking and being observational and meeting people where they're at and where their needs are at, taking in your own action towards people that are going through struggles and reminding and holding on to the promises, not just for yourself but for others, is how we disciple and we help people move through the chairs as well. Lisa, if I could, just Psalm 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Biblically, the walls of that pen are much higher than raised high. It is your fortress. When we are following him and we're in him, then, then we are safe. He protects us. He will chase us if we decide to go outside that fortress and do our own thing because he loves us and he is graceful, but it is not his best for you. His best is to run to him, hide in him, and let him lead you, protect you, provide for you. And other people need to hear that message too. If you will pray with me, I'm going to read a common scripture over you, a well-known scripture over you that I'm hoping visually will look a little different than what you have maybe pictured or visualized in the past. And then I'll close this in prayer. So with every eye closed, Holy Spirit, speak to us. The Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in those green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he and only he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me. I love that David is no longer talking about God, but talking to him. I refer no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup simply overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I pray in this moment, if there's anyone here or watching online or whatever the case might be, and they were sitting in chair one and they've come just to kind of hear you and see you or to be able to see some kind of poor representation of just the fullness of who you are, Father, that they hear you calling their name to come home, to come to the fortress, to take and have you be the leader of forgiving their lives. And simply, once again, in this moment, outside of some kind of magic words or outside of some kind of religious practice, can just say to you, Father, save me. Your God, I'm not. I've, I, I want the purpose and the passion and the life that you created me for, and I'm tired of going and doing my own thing instead of following you. It just never works out. And that in that moment, salvation comes. In that moment, a new beginning becomes. In that moment, a new purpose becomes. And I would love, in any way, shape, or form, and our church family would love to support you in that in any way, shape, or can. All you have to do is let us know as you made that decision, and we will celebrate mighty like heaven celebrates over you right now. Father, for others of us that might be in that second chair and still learning and still kind of getting the facets of the, the beginnings and the basics, Father, and we're, we're still um, uh, working through things and leaning into things. Make us passionate about that. Make us passionate about being in your word and leaning into you and uh, just tasting and seeing that you are good. You are good. And follow you and see the difference of what happens when we go step by step after you and we come running into your fortress. Fathers, Father, that we're trying, we're doing our mission fields so in some areas, we're dancing and we're singing and we're right in the sweet spot, Father, and other times maybe we have some self-doubt or we start holding on to tomorrow's problems. Make us more excited and thankful and graciously appreciative of the mouthful that you lead us to today. Encourage us, hold us, protect over us. Thank you for your patience. But may we have more of the fullness of our God and lead others to you as well. In your name we pray. Amen. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740 740- 382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com that's tsflife.com you can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road Marion Ohio 43302 thank you for spending your time with us today and we look forward to seeing you soon be blessed